We're getting demonic with our ladies and making vacation friends with a candy man. I'm Van Connor. And I'm Vex Perfect. And this is Off Screen, your seven day guide to everything movies. Boom. Welcome to Offscreen, another week, another batch of great movies for you. Again, Van and I have been sat down watching furiously through all of the big releases this week and pulling together all of the... Furiously. Um, <laughs> well, in some cases, you may have found it furious on some one or two one, of these films. One movie. One movie, fine, Can fair I just enough. Say? Yeah. Can I just say as well, by the way, of the films we're covering this week, we didn't, we're not going to get to cover one that I did see, and I did text you, I did WhatsApp you about this, uh, that is absolutely beautiful. If you get the chance to see it, you absolutely should. It's called The Last Bus, and mm. it stars Timothy Spall as this 90-something-year-old widower who, when his wife passes away, they, they live in John O'Groats in Scotland, and when his wife passes away, he dedicates his life to basically making the journey back along this bus journey that the pair of them took in 1950 from Land's End to John O'Groats using only public buses and using his free bus pass and it's absolutely heartbreaking Bex, the whole thing and it's and there's flashbacks it's like Jojo Moyes does the opening sequence from Up it's incredible you've got to see it oh I can't I, I don't think I could bear that and in fact your text to me was literally absolutely weeping <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, it really was. Yeah. There we go. Great recommendation there. But let's kick off with something a little bit more lighthearted. You know, first we had The Rock uh, step out of the ring and onto the big screen. And then, you know, there were a flurry of kind of, you know, other wrestlers doing the same thing. Dave Bautista, we obviously know. But someone that's managed to really capture comedy in a really good way is John Cena. And, you know, I loved his 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 mini cameo in like Trainwreck. That for me always made me laugh because he just knows how to play that kind of big, dumb ex-wrestler, I suppose, is what you kind of say. And he kind of has really cemented himself in Hollywood. And I think this, this first movie that we're going to talk about today, Vacation Friends, sort of sits on the shoulders of John Cena. Am I right? Uh, very much so. So, I mean, this is an old school buddy comedy. You've seen this formula done to death, to be fair. This, this is very much a throwback. It's a throwaway film, but it's also a throwback. So it is kind of a, an, a mismatch, you know, straight man and agent of chaos sort of buddy comedy. Kind of thing that Steve Martin used to do a lot of, or Chevy Chase, or, you know, people like Charles Grodin. Martin, Martin Short, Short, yeah, Charles Martin Grodin. Short. Charles Grodin would often play the, the straight man in these movies unless it was Midnight Run. So Midnight Run is the kind of buddy cop version of this, the action version. This is a sort of vacation friends. Um, feature debut from Clay Tarver, who is a writer I know of from having been quite acclaimed and winning a few awards, um, writing on Silicon Valley uh, for HBO. He's making his uh, feature debut with this one. And it's effectively Lil Rel Howery, who most of us know, I think, from uh, Get Out now because he's T.S. blank A, you know, um, in, in, in Get Out. Uh, it's he and his partner go away on vacation. And I forget where I found it. I think it's like Mexico or something. In fact, it is Mexico. And they, while they're there, they meet another couple, played by uh, John Cena and uh, I think it's uh, Meredith Hagner. And they are, they are this sort of wild, frenzied, drug-addled, hedonistic couple, whereas Lil Rel and his missus are a bit more straight-laced. They become friends, they have a wild time on vacation and decide to cut loose and just have a go, you know, just 
let's let's just have vacation friends and do all the wild drinking, partying, drug fueled orgy stuff that we would never do in our regular lives. What happens on vacation stays on vacation, but they get engaged on the vacation as well. And when the wedding rolls around a few months later, John Cena and Meredith Hagner, well. They're not really that content to just be vacation friends. I've got a clip for you that's them actually sort of bonding in Mexico. Gives you a setup of the dynamic between them. What does this mean? Depresso Libre. It's a phrase that has special meaning to people such as myself, Marcus. A reminder that a powerful weapon like this should only be used when absolutely necessary. Now put that bottle on your head. I'm gonna shoot it off. Yes! <laughs> No, hold on one second. Hold on a second. Guys, no, seriously, stop playing. It's fine. We play this game at home all the time. Babe, he's not serious. We've been drinking and we've been smoking. Count it! What? You hit the bottle this time! (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god! This is um, this is a Disney uh, backed movie, right? It's an inherited Disney backed okay, movie. This fine. was a Fox project. Now, this began life, I think, something like seven or eight years ago, as a vehicle. In fact, it was 2014 because it was the same year that Guardians of the Galaxy opened. It was planned as a vehicle for Chris Pine, uh, Chris Pine, Chris Pratt, and Anna Faris because, of course, they were real life uh, couple at the time. It then, a couple of years later, turned up again as an Ice Cube project, and then has now become. This this iteration has been entirely made since the Disney merger. Like this only started going into development at the end of 2019, so it has been done for this. But uh, yeah, this is this is coming out on Disney Plus this week, okay. and not even as a not even as a premium access tier. This is just a straight going to streaming on Disney Plus. Oh, okay, so that's good. So it's open for everyone to watch, which is which is oh, fantastic, yeah. you know. And I think I love a good buddy comedy. I love a throwaway, easy to watch movie. And yeah. I think you know John Cena is enough of a pull for more mainstream audiences to think they know what they're going to get out of this. And if, yeah. as long as they're not going to be disappointed, I think this is a really good option. It's it's nuts and bolts. It's exactly as you say that. It, it, exactly as you describe. It is nuts and bolts. And mm. it is very, very much to the formula. Uh, if I have a big complaint, I mean, John Cena's phenomenal, as always. Like, John Cena, as you pointed out, have, going on to films like Trainwreck, and I think he had Sisters that same summer as well. And you see, I think John Cena's secret always seems to be that rather than do the rocks route of I'll become the action star and then I'll become self-deprecating and very meta yeah. later on, his route has been, I'm going to start there. I'm going to start with that and see where I can move it from there. And he's doing some quite interesting comedic work with it. Like Suicide Squad, you said, quite an interesting yeah. play on that. Took The Rock a long time to get to that. John Cena has done it in a lot shorter venue. Um, Cena and Howry, though, they make for good... They, they've got good bants, as the kids would yes. say. The, the bromantic chemistry is there. If I've got a complaint, it's that the marketing and the poster for this sold me on the idea that it was about the couples. And I do feel like it does radically sideline um, the, the, the the female leads. Yeah. Like it radically sideslides them in favor of the, the two male leads, which I suppose typical Hollywood gender bias, just a bit depressing to see it in a film that's been developed in the last two years. But other than that, it's on streaming. It's nuts and bolts. It's a three-star film. You'll have a basically good time. There are some good solid laughs and there's some vintage Cena moments. Brilliant, okay. Well, listen, moving on, because I, I, I want to move us on very quickly because I'm really excited about this this remake. I remember as a kid <laughs> watching the original movie of Candyman way too young. In fact, I can I was 12 because I was watching it with a group of school friends and Oof. we were absolutely terrified. Um, it was a sleepover film, wasn't it? It was Candyman. a sleepover it film, was. yeah. 
And I don't know why, you know, 90s parents, they just let you do it. But they, they let you do this and watch a horror movie that you're way too young for. And I, never again will I say the words Candyman into the mirror. But in 2021, do I need to be worried? Well, apparently you do, because the publicists uh, had, had a brilliant idea for this one, which is when we turned up for the screening, they'd actually put Candyman five times in sticker form over every mirror, oh. as if daring everyone there. I was like, wow, OK, you're uh, you're kind of asking for trouble there. Anyway, so 2021, actually not 2021, 2020, but delayed, thanks, COVID, uh, sort of reboot cool. And literally, in that sense, this does follow on from uh, Candyman 1, but it does so, unlike Halloween, where this is, you know, that's an alternative part two, this is very much a, you know what those sequels can very well still just be canon like no one's saying they no one's saying they're irrelevant we're just not mentioning them this follows on decades later from the events of that first movie and mm. particularly the infant child in that movie who is now our lead played by uh, Yaya Dormati in the second who you might remember as playing Bobby Seal in uh, Trial of the Chicago 7 yeah. uh, recently he is a hipster artist who's doing a project about the projects from Candyman the Sabrina Green uh, project and finds himself drawing on the legend of the Candyman for inspiration in his work only for the key component of the Candyman legend it turns out to be that for Candyman to have any real power people need to know his legend because it turns out if they know his legend guess what they're gonna go and do and the legend is if you say his name five times while looking in the mirror he appears in the reflection and kills you so i thought that we could <laughs> what did you think summon him <laughs> hell no no Candyman. Anthony. Candyman. Anthony, no. Candyman. Stop. Stop it. Candyman. Stop it. Okay. You better not do okay, that. Okay, okay, okay. Candyman. See, you played for oh. what? It's you the No, no, no tingles already like <laughs> I'm just like don't do it I thought from obviously thinking way back to when I was 12 I thought it was three times in the mirror it was only when I watched the trailer that I remembered it's five because sometimes that feels a bit arduous to kind of say it five times um but is it scary has it got the jump scares has it got you know yes. the that we're yep. yeah yeah it has it's, it's got everything it, it's, it's brilliant, Max. I, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I came out of this. I was just. I'm, I'm genuinely blown away by how absolutely brilliant near the cost as Candyman is. It, 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 it's not only that. It, it might be one of the best sequels ever made to a movie. I'm not even kidding. I think this is genuinely terrific. Um, it's very much in the sort of in the vein of something like David Gordon Green's Halloween from three mm. years ago, where it is that sort of decades later follow-on, like I say. Um, Yaya Dunstein's second brilliant performance. Incredible performance, really selling this. But this is, you can feel Jordan Peele's fingerprints all over this. You really can. This fits absolutely in line with, not not to take anything away from Nida Costa, but it feels like it's come from that umbrella that gave us Get Out that gave us Us, gave us The Twilight Zone. We certainly set the path, hasn't he? He has. It's kind of bled into Shyamalan movies of late as well. This new generation of A24-influenced horror, this Mm. is their Candyman. But here's the kicker. As well as being that, it is also quite brilliantly subversive in one key component. And this is it. As we've just aptly pointed out, 
Candyman is a sleepover movie from our tween years. To someone our age, that's yeah. what it is. Yeah. Despite the fact that Candyman was never one of those slasher movies, it was never one of those. It was actually quite an art house, serious mm. horror movie. Mm. But because of the marketability of the character, it sort of got taken by popular culture and swept alongside things around that time, like Freddy's Dead, and I think it was uh, Jason Goes to Hell around that time as well. I think Halloween 6, I believe, was around about 94, around that kind of time as well. So it got swept up with all the trash horror movies, despite the fact it was actually one of the more art house ones. And then they made sequels, which it turned out were trash horror like that, so it never really got a look in. What they do here is, basically slap you in the face and say yes Candyman is an art house horror film but you know what we're still going to have some fun with it here's some trash horror so you get this incredible artsy horror drama that then has these wonderfully subversive playful just gore fests but they're artistically incredible gore fests like intricate deaths very well staged uh, and terrifying murders it's brilliant I, I can't I don't want to say too much more about it there okay. are themes in there I'm about so gentrification excited. if you want like there is that very big thing about the art community and gentrification and how um you know activism can feed into destroying the thing that it's trying to prop up i could talk for days about it but to do it without you know you having seen the film i feel is taking it away from you because there's so much you can talk about with it so see it Love it. You will have a blast. Uh, uh, yeah, and, you know, I'm representing all our lovely listeners here. I think this is one you've just got us really excited for. I'm going to grab my pillow, ready to <laughs> sit in front of my face and watch this. So that's Candyman. That is out today in cinemas. I mean, this sounds like it's going to be the full cinematic experience. You just want to go for a horror, sit behind yes. your chair. Yeah. Mm. Amazing. Yeah, and, and just, just pray when you walk out of that screening room, there are no reflective surfaces. That's all I'm going to say. Welcome back to Off Screen. I have come out from hiding behind my pillow and I'm ready to see a few more light-hearted movies. I'm hoping at least one of these in our next block is, uh, is, is much more light-hearted. In fact, I know it is because I've seen it. I've very much enjoyed it. Uh, we're going to be talking first about Our Ladies. Uh, this is a 2019 film, which has been delayed and delayed yeah. and delayed. It's now only just come out. Um, Oh yeah. Do you remember this was this this started screening in the few weeks before lockdown? Like we started getting our sort of advanced screenings. I think it was meant for a month or so. I think it was three weeks to a month, maybe after the first lockdown began, is when this was originally set for. I think because we oh. were starting to get the marketing and the early screenings. Well, it's interesting that st like even though we're starting to get it, it was still a 2019 film. But anyway. The premise of this movie is great. It's about a bunch of choir chicks. It's the easiest way to say this. Catholic schoolgirls up in Scotland who um, are in part of a... In, in a 1996, you, you've got to drop that in there. That's a that. biggie was, as well. It's a big year. Uh, that's, a tr that's kind of a train spotting year, isn't it? And that is very much linked in a way mm. to this. Um, they basically take a trip to Edinburgh... Uh, to compete in this choir competition but that takes absolutely second stage because what they really want to do is they want to booze they want to go and take drugs and they want to hook up with lots of boys and that's exactly what this film is about excuse me the manageress was asking if you mind not doing that lighting up the drinks thing she's concerned you'll burn yourselves Would you s*** him? Mm, wouldn't kick him out of bed. 
Unless you wanted to do him on the floor. I'm just telling you what the manager has said. But do you think he'd us? He'd be lucky to us. He'd be desperate to us. Look, we, we never asked you for ID, did we? Oh, is he saying we're underage? Look, mister, we paid for these drinks. So we'll suck him up our if we want to. We'll need five straws for that. I love this movie so much. <laughs> it's so, so good. I, in fact, a friend of mine uh, is, is a novelist now, former, uh, former, uh, uh, former columnist turned uh, author, Rebecca Reed. I think you might have met her, actually. And I, I got in touch with her after this, like, specifically, you have to see this movie. It is Stand By Me for teenagers in 90s Scotland, teenage girls in 90s Scotland. Yeah. It is the, and because I think she's been to things like Derry, Derry Girls? And, Derry and, Girls, and yeah. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I thought oh, this might be along the same same alley. Apparently very much so. Uh, I think this is great. How much fun and how much heart and soul is there in this movie? I, that, I'm not going to give this away, but at the end, um, they do do a kind of um, look back on the lives of where these girls have ended up. Mm. And I thought, oh my God, have I watched a true story? <laughs> like, is that what's happened in this? <laughs> There's really good stuff in this that I think, um, that you mentioned sort of Stand By Me, I get that. Um, Stand By Me meets Derry Girls in a way. Mm. But also there are elements that I found stylistically, like with, <laughs> with um, Train Spotting, the dank, dreary, half-empty clubs that they go into, this kind of feeling of grotty mm. Edinburgh. Um, there's a bit of brassed off element to it with like the choir uh, side of things. There's lots of real influences from the 90s that I think mm. really works in this, but it is tenacious, it is funny it is well acted and it's not got like your all bang out all-star a-list to lead to distract you it's a really clever group casting that works really well and it, it's an exploratory coming of age you know story in a short period of time that is kind of boundary pushing at the same time as well. I really loved it. Yeah, same. I, I think it's absolutely brilliant. I, it's one of those films as well that I think work would would work incredibly well on you know on an audience who actually are the age of the characters depicted. So I think for a teenage girl, this would prove absolutely brilliant. But I think also for adult women as well. I think this is this is just destined to induce many a millennial school coach trip flashback. Yes. Because there's regard, yes. regardless of gender, there's just something so relatable in that school day out from the mid nineties. It's like God, I kind of remember that. Wow, I yes. remember that feeling. I think that's why I, I loved it so much is because I, I not to say that I, I was as. Um, uh, St. Trinian's like as these girls yeah. were but actually the idea of being a bit defiant to your teachers not having any social media or any distractions like that is is you know mm. it takes it back to this kind of simpler time which you and I are this is perfect for you the age of you and I because of that absolute nostalgia that we will have got from this yeah. and the setting in Edinburgh, it isn't like bright lights, beautiful. It's a bit dank. It's a bit dreary. The it, guys it's grotty, are a little bit, yeah. yeah, the guys, and I'd love to know what, what they, they use the word tinker as a bit of a kind of a, an offensive word. And I'm like, 
That doesn't sound too offensive to me. Why was it so offensive? I kind of need to know this. <laughs> Maybe it's a regional thing. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. What, I'll, t- I'll say one thing, though, because you, you mentioned St. Trinian's there, because you reminded me, we kind of neglected the uh, the whole Catholic element of this, which is actually quite a big narrative and, and mm. character-based element within the film. Um, but I'm just going to throw it out there. The performances for all the girls across the board are all great. There is not a doff note to be found in this movie. Um, yeah. I will, though, say, if you're going to make a movie about Catholic schoolgirls, and it's a teen dramedy. Look, it's cheating to call Kate Dickey, Kate Dickey up, all right? It, it, it's cheating. Don't, look, we, we, we know what you're doing. She knows what you're doing. We all know what we're in for. She's having a blast. We're having a blast. We know she's. We know she doesn't even have to try to be this incredible. But, oh, cheap shot. That was a cheap win, that one. Yeah. Getting Kate Dickey to be like the mother superior. Not even the mother superior. She's like the, she's just the sister. She's the choir leader, isn't she? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She is, she is. And also Tallulah Grieve, I think, who is an Australian yes, she's the lead. actress. She's the lead. Mm. Um, she's really good in this. There's that kind of like wow. innocence about her, but then it completely turns on its head when she kind of has her awakening. There's all this stuff that kind of, it has twists and turns and just keeps you in. And it's in a tidy mm. one hour, 45 minutes. I think so it's because it is all over the course of one day isn't it it's it's just one solitary day with these characters and it's it's great has that almost Ferris Bueller's day out kind of like level of timekeeping about it I I thought it was great I mean I was moved by it I laughed I had great I will say it's it's one of three genuinely great films out this week alongside the last bus of Candyman Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fair enough, fair enough. But let's let's move on to our final film that we're uh, talking about today. This is another horror, I thought, I think. I don't know. Uh, the it's horrible. That. Oh, it's horrible. Okay, great. It's horrible. Uh, I look forward to this one. Uh, it's it's uh, demonic. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I know nothing. So enlighten me or don't. <laughs> Well, do you remember? Do you remember Neil Blomkamp, yes. writer director of District Nine, Nine and Elysium yeah. and, and Chappie? Yeah. yeah, well, Neil Blomkamp has fallen into that sort of Guillermo del Toro-like hole now where he's actually starting to become more known for all the movies he doesn't wind up making than the ones he does. Like, for, for those three I just named, there are about nine he didn't, up to and including re- you know reboots of Robocop, uh, Alien 5, loads of things like that. Um, well, now, over lockdown, evidently, he got bored and decided, screw it, I'm just going to go and make a horror film. Okay, fair enough. Let's see what you got. So he gave us the story of Carly, played imaginatively enough by Carly Pope. You might remember from that series Popular years ago. Remember that series with years Leslie ago. Pope? Yeah, yeah, years ago. Carly Pope was the sort of the, the likable lead on that one versus oh. the, you know, nastier rich chick who I think was Leslie Bibb and uh, she's the lead here she's been raised in the shadow of her mother who went insane when she was younger has been incarcerated for a, a you know a, a murderous spree she is contacted by a medical research company who've been doing a clinical trial on her comatose mother and they want her to effectively do an inception where she is projected via simulation into a sort of virtual reality matrix like space that is created out of her mind you might also remember this funnily enough as the plot to The Cell, starring Jennifer Lopez from the year 2000. Uh, yeah, so this is Neil Blomkamp, for some reason, doing a knockoff of The Cell. Think of what we're building here as kind of a second reality for all your senses. Your thoughts, like where to move your hand, are driven by your motor cortex. We redirect these impulses to a digital version of you, and in that virtual space, you will meet your mother. But you have to think of it as stepping into someone's mind, into her mind. It can be very confusing for the outsider 
because a piece of one place, one memory, might be inserted into another. Kind of like a dream. Make sense? You just, I was watching you there. You just had a smirk on your face throughout that entire clip. That, for me, sums up that this is, this is a doozy. This is not a good one. <laughs> do you remember that? Do you remember that time we saw that movie? Uh, the one that starred Taylor Schilling, and she had her son got possessed, and it was set it was set in the present day. I forget what it was because about two or three years ago, we sat, exactly we sat, what... sat. You know the bit I'm going to refer to when yeah. the Exorcist people turn up and they talk about how you know how possession works, and I, I, one character just says, "Oh, this explains everything." You're like, "Wait, what? Hang on, <laughs> you you just got told." ghosts and possessions are a thing and your your response to that is this explains everything okay listening to the dialogue in that clip the way he says you know this is how it works kind of like a dream but he says it in such a matter-of-fact way like we often just walk around dreams and i'm sort of thinking hang on a minute it's because the cinematic language since in the 10 years since inception has been such that you kind of have to take the Rick and Morty approach to all this now, which is what just person? say, <laughs> well, yeah, but you also just say we're just gonna we're just gonna inception these people. That's what we're gonna do. Oh, oh, we're gonna we're gonna the purge this thing. Just just say the concepts now. Just just get away because yeah. we're we're not gonna we're done kind of pretending this is original. And evidently, so is Neil Blomkamp. This is one of the most phoned-in screenplays you've ever seen. The performances evidently took the social distancing element of the production for this, which obviously was done over you know the last year, uh, to heart. Because first of all, every every shot of this movie is in medium wide. It seems, despite the fact that you know for set for a lot of it, it's just it's just people in a room talking. Hmm. Most of the time, it's green screen, and they put a half decent after effects induced simulation uh, preset over it but everyone is noticeably two meters apart and i think with that physical distance seems to come a distance of personality and emotion as well because good lord there's nothing close to a human being to be found in this movie um when I said it was like Neil Blomkamp doing The Cell, it is like him phoning in a rip-off of The Cell, to the extent where I'm now wondering what's next. Is Guillermo del Toro going to do his version of The Lawnmower Man? Because if we're going to just check out random sci-fi crap from the 90s, at least give me that one, because I want to see who you're going to replace Pierce Brosnan with. Um, this does not feel, in terms of its production, even like it's been put to the calibre of made to streaming, and I say that in inverted quotes, this feels wow. like it was made for the horror channel, made for cable. This is a really cheap, really slapped together movie. It feels like it was just done on digital, wasn't even colour graded, given any kind of post work. It's, it's just a shambles. I, I, I can't think of anything more to say. I gave it three out of ten in my notes. I put here, I put here utter crap, points for the simulation effects, and naff all else besides, okay, maybe a couple of half-decent ideas. And really, that's it. I feel like that is now increasingly just becoming the grade of Neil Blomkamp. That's the legacy of the once great emerging talent that was District 9 director Neil Blomkamp to a T, if I'm being honest. Wow. And uh, I was just going to ask, but I think I know the answer, on a scale of... One to ten. What? How, what's your level of disappointment? I'm assuming it's generous. Really, from my notes, that's generous, really. Yeah. So yeah, the only thing demonic is having to actually pay money to see it. So I suggest very, very strongly that you don't. Welcome back. 
back to off screen. We are moving from the big screen to the small screen and looking at movies on TV for you. And we're going to do this in a nice, fast, pacey way for you. And we're going to kick off with a little bit of an action thriller for a Saturday night, which is on Watch at 9 p.m. Oh, it's a great movie. It is I'm Your Captain Now. It's Captain Philip. (laughs) I thought this was edge of your seat brilliant um i really love this it's obviously the story of a ship that gets taken over by somali pirates um le- the the ship is obviously captained by tom hanks in this and it did so well it was like doing re- it was all the buzz it's a paul greengrass film it's all the buzz at awards uh, award season and stuff and i think very much well deserved as well 2013 this came out blimey mm, yeah and you know I, I say it's all about it's all about Hanks though isn't it I mean Barkhad Abdi yeah. I think did Barkhad Abdi win the Oscar for this I think didn't he oh, um, I, think he did, I don't yeah. remember seeing him in anything else except uh, Alita Battle Angel but uh, tremendous performances all around but I don't think you can take it away from Hanks UKMTO operations this is Mask Alabama. Our position is 2 degrees 2 north by 49 degrees 19 east. Our course is 180, our speed is 17 knots. We have two skiffs approaching at a distance of 1.5 miles with a possible mothership following. Potential piracy situation. Coffee, Alabama, you should alert your crew, get your fire hoses ready, and follow lockdown procedures. Uh, yeah, it, is that it? I'm relaying your transmission now, but chances are it's just fishermen. They're not here to fish. Oh, I I just think, like, you know, it's that (laughs) moment of, like, you know, in, in, um, oh, what was the the film with Sandra Bullock um, where she goes spinning into space? I just can't think of the title. Gravity. Gravity, yeah, I knew it started with a G. (laughs) It's like where you go, worst scenario ever, and you kind of think, that's in space, worst scenario ever. This, on the sea, you're kind of going, oh, worst scenario ever, being taken over by pirates, I don't want it. I still think... (laughs) I still think worst scenario ever. I've seen the movie. It's still Ryan Reynolds in the in the movie Buried. That that oh god yeah. Night. But Captain Phillips, oh. you can see Saturday night on, and we never we never really get to recommend films on watch, but it's on watch at nine pm. Check this out. It's such a good one, Captain Phillips. Mm, but yeah, onto Sunday, Miss Perfect. What do you got? Oh, well, a tale as old as time is what I've got for you. Um, it is, <laughs> um, BBC One, three thirty-five pm. We have the live action version of Beauty and the Beast with Emma Watson. Emma Watson? Yes, Emma Watson's in this. It is Emma Watson and Dan Stevens as the Beast with Luke Evans as Gaston and... The best uh, casting for Gaston. Josh Gad. Josh Gad. Josh Gad as LeFou. Yeah. Blink and you'll miss him is the first gay character in a live-action Disney movie. Yeah. uh, Do you know what? I think... I'm still unsure about Emma Watson's casting in this. I think there's a few others that could have done it in a way. I'm just not a massive Emma Watson fan, but Luke Evans as Gaston, you couldn't get more perfect casting than that. I think he's absolutely brilliant. And he, you know, throughout all the promotional time around that, he absolutely played it to a T as well. It was brilliant. I think I saw him on the Late Late Show with James Gordon, just absolutely belting the song out brilliantly. And you know, I think it's a good remake. I think the li- I do enjoy seeing the live action remakes of all the Disney movies out of pure mm. curiosity, I think. But this isn't up there as one of the most memorable yeah. ones for me. Uh, but it is still a really decent watch. 
I, I mean, I personally, when, when I think of the Disney live-action adaptations now, I do think of this as, as, as one of the strong ones. But I think in our house, we have, like, my family have a really strong attachment to Beauty and the Beast. So it's a really big deal. Like, my two-year-old nephew watches the live-action and animated Beauty and the Beasts regularly. It's part of his rotation. But uh, I think Emma Watson, I think, works with the casting because there is a noticeable effort, I think, with this adaptation to sort of lean into the fact that Belle is kind of an insufferable character in, mm. in a way. And I, I think I think Emma Watson is conscious of that and does inject a sort of knowing, a knowingness into her performance doing that. Like, she thinks she's aware that she's kind of a hipster douche. Really. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Okay, let's let's move swiftly on then, because that's on Sunday. Again, what BBC One, 3.35pm. Perfect Sunday afternoon movie for you. On to Monday uh, is a film that I very much enjoyed. Uh, you haven't seen this one, Van. It's on BBC Two at 10.30pm. Um, any fans of the RBG out of, out there, um, you know, the, the notorious RBG, you will be wanting to watch this movie. Uh, Felicity Jones' Army Hammer, or let's say his name only for our sins, um, is on the basis of sex which is the story of Ruth Bader Ginsburg and how she became she came to prominence as one of the most incredible legal minds um, innovators of um, of our time really and obviously it's very sadly in the last couple of years we've lost her um, but she has definitely left her mark and this although a linear film in its format actually gives you all the information you need on just how amazing Ruth Bader Ginsburg was. They all turned you down, right? How many? Ten? Twelve. A woman, a mother, and a Jew to boot. I'm surprised that many let you through the door. One sent me to interview for the secretarial pool. Another told me I'd be too busy at bake sales to be effective. One partner closed his clients in the locker room at his club, so he said I'd be out of the loop. Last week, I was told women are too emotional to be lawyers. Then that same afternoon, that a, a woman graduating top of her class must be a real ball buster and wouldn't make a good colleague. I was asked when I'd have my next baby and whether I keep Shabbat. One interviewer told me I had a sterling resume, but they hired a woman last year, and what in the world would they want with two of us? You must be livid. You know what? I was just thinking, just listening to that, I love Felicity Jones. I would have liked to have seen her as Belle in Beauty and the Beast. I think she would have done Belle really well. There are there are a lot of roles that you do you do think like Felicity Jones could do that very easily. I mean, she was wasted, for instance, in uh, The Amazing Spider-Man Two, which no one ever noticed as she was cast in as yeah, the no, setup okay. for being. She was she was there as the setup to become uh, the Black Cat down the line, oh. like cause she's playing that character. She also she's of course a Star Wars alum now. Uh, is yes. the lead of what I would argue is one of the best ones, Rogue yes. One. Yes, yeah, I loved Rogue One. Um, a good casting, I think, as as Ruth Bader Ginsburg, but the accent sounds a bit naff. I'm intrigued to see it because I, I want to know the story. I don't know enough about the woman that I, you know, because that's, that's why I want to see the movie. I'm intrigued by what the story was. That yeah, I've it, seen the it, documentary, obviously. Yeah, but, uh, it gives you a good education. I think it's well acted. I think it looks, you know, that perfect kind of 1960s, almost Mad Men style look and feel to it. And it gives you it gives you all the feels when she finally achieves what she needs to achieve uh, mm. as you know, as Ruth Bader Ginsburg. So, yeah, I think it's a really, really solid, solid movie. Let's move on to Tuesday. This is more your bag, Van. I know you love this. I mean, you know, let, let's just... I'm going to hand it over to you. I know what you like. I don't, I don't even... I don't, I don't even particularly like this one. So this is Alien oh. Covenants on film 4, 9pm on Tuesday. Um, it, I mean, I'm a completist. Like, I, I, I'm always the completist. I am the guy that will still watch Spider-Man 3, you know, yeah. after I've watched 1 and 2. I, I will still watch 
Bat, you know, Batman and Robin after I've watched, you know, the two and a half good ones. And you know, I will always watch the Dark Knight. Actually, I think the Dark Knight Rises is pretty good. I'm not going to lie. Um, but Alien Covenant, it's fine. If you're a completist, if you've seen Prometheus, it's it's on. And it's certainly the best of the bad bunch because there was nothing else on on Tuesday <laughs> night. We're going to have to rattle through these quickly anyway. So on Wednesday, Paramount, uh, 11.40, one of my favourite movies ever. I'm sure you'll agree, a stone-cold classic. Yeah. yeah. From Dust Till Dawn is on. Clooney at his coolest. And would you believe that movie was a financial dud when it opened? from Dust Till Dawn. I, I, I don't care, you know? Everybody be cool, you be cool. Like, I, I'm just like, you know what? This is this is brilliant. It's a cult hit that grew. There's a there's a really good movie, of, a documentary about the making of it, like feature length on Netflix called Full Tilt Boogie that's, that's worth a watch. Ooh. And actually, mm. do you know what? I didn't mind the series too much about this. Like, it was kind of word for word, but it was okay. You just kind of miss Clooney and you miss, you know... Tarantino. It's only the first season because I, I got stuck around the beginning of the second season. The first season is the movie. Kind of like yeah. Snowpiercer. The first season is the movie and then season two onwards they've got to go and do their own thing because God knows they are not going to adapt. Uh, was it From Dust All Dawn to... Two. I can't remember. I'm trying to remember what it was now. Yeah. Blood Money? Hangman's Daughter? Something oh. like that. But uh, anyway, so From Dust All Dawn, 11.40, Wednesday, Paramount. Uh, Thursday, Film 4. Is it 6.25pm? Decent yes, early time for a decently family-friendly movie. It is, of course, one of the best X-Men movies. X-Men Days of Future Past, which actually, at the time, saw the uh, then much-in-demand return of Brian Singer to the franchise. We wouldn't be cheering so much now if Marvel hired uh, Brian Singer to do it for the MCU, but, uh, yeah, back when Brian Singer returned in 2014, that was a really big deal. And this is, of course, the all-star team-up in which the old old squad meet the new squad. The older X-Men meet their younger incarnations. Sir Pat Stu gets to meet James McAvoy, Ian McKellen, and Michael Fassbender, I think, get to to share a movie. It's it's, it's the movie you always wanted to see, and the bridge at the centre of all of it, of course, is Hugh Jackman's Logan, because it was a Fox X-Men movie. So, of course, it had to be obsessed with X-Men. But I'm going to turn Friday night... The Wild Night, Miss Perfect, over to you. Oh. What you got to take us partying into the weekend? Possibly my favourite Zack Snyder movie. Um, <laughs> this is um, Gerard Butler. And, and the movie that kind of got me awake about what you can do visually with a movie. I thought this was absolutely brilliant. It was converting a graphic novel into a big screen phenomenon. It's 300 on Five Star at 9 p.m. This is Sparta! I love it. This is kind of Greek mythology meets modern day movie making and does it in a way that kind of just, yeah, at the time, blew my mind. You bring the crowns and heads of conquered kings to my city steps. You insult my queen. You threaten my people with slavery and death. I've chosen my words carefully, Persian. Perhaps you should have done the same. This is blasphemy. This is madness. Madness. This is Sparta!
Do you know? Do you know what I was just going to say on this? I watched mm. a little interview with Je- with Jerry Butler, and, um, Jerry. and <laughs> Jerry, love him. Um, and he was saying that actually every time they did the take on that, he would do it in different ways, and the cast would always giggle at him. And then he just went for <laughs> it and just went, "This is Sparta!" And then everyone was like, "Whoa, okay, <laughs> that's the shot." I mean, I, I think 300's a great movie. Oh, um, it's, I mean, I, I think the sequel's not especially bad no. either. If you get a fight over the fact that it's not quite as A-list, and it's a bit past its time. Like, if it come out two or three years after the first one, I think it'd be a lot more highly regarded. Um, Sin City, incidentally, is the movie that I think had the same effects mm. on me that, that this did. But uh, putting aside Zach, that Zack Snyder's remit for this entire movie seems to be just give me orange boobs, male <laughs> or female, I don't mind. And that literally is the remit. I just can't help but look at 300 and just think, what a weird weird time that must have been filming that movie you know just on a blue stage it's just like a bunch of oiled men in it's just so pants. homoerotic isn't just, it <laughs> it is it's just like michael fassbender and jerry butler and and david wenham just like just hanging around in their leather cod pieces like what must the lunch breaks have been like Spartacus. can you just imagine <laughs> That's like they're all going like they call lunch they're all going to the taco truck you know gerard butler and michael Fass just asses <laughs> out leather cod <laughs> <laughs> just what a weird weird movie but you know what the end result obviously paid off and you can see that for yourself uh, this next friday night it's showing on five star at 9 p.m and you know what friday night 9 p.m 300 perfect way to start the weekend that one yeah Welcome back to Off Screen. Now, last week we saw the return of DVDs and Blu-rays <laughs> after a little bit of a hiatus. And they did least... gone, didn't they, for a while there? Yeah, um, but don't worry, they are back. In fact, this week we don't just have one DVD and Blu-ray offering; we have two. Um, so we've—I <laughs> mean, what a time to be alive! Uh, Spoiled got... choice, aren't we? Oh, so much so. So those who wish me dead, Van, um, you're not one of those. I hope, but. Um, <laughs> what's this movie all about? Uh, I don't know if you remember this one. This was uh, one of the Warner Brothers HBO Max day and date releases from about three months ago, I want to say. Angelina is the firefighter. Who This was oh, such yes. a 90s concept. I think it's written by Taylor Sheridan. And it's uh, it, Angelina is the firefighter who must protect a young boy whose father is a government witness and who assassins are trying to kill. And in order to basically you know, uh, capture this this child who's running through the forest with Angelina, the firefighter, they start a forest fire. Is that a fire? Yeah. That's a big one. We gotta go back. I'm not going through that again. We can't go through that. That eats everything in its path. I would have seen this from the tower. I didn't call it in. They're gonna send a chopper to figure out why. Chopper is that way, back there. You don't get through that. We're going that way. Ooh, that that doesn't sound like Oscar-winning Angelina to me. But, no, uh, it's not quite, at all. No, yeah, this is like this is like late nineties, late nineties, hundred and five minute like action thriller with a with a star. You know, this star plus concept thriller from the late nineties. It absolutely works. You'd like this. Hmm, okay, all right, fair enough. I will check that one out on my DVD player that I don't have anymore. Um, 
moving on a film that we've both seen um, and we quite like to review this recently The Surrogate um, it's out there it follows a, a gay couple whose best friend decides to take uh, take on the surrogacy of their, their new unborn child for them but uh, it was quite a nice um, very New York very hipster dynamic um, everything looks mm. and feels almost like it's like a documentary style fly on the wall that you're watching Verite style yeah. yeah exactly and, and I, yeah, I liked it I, I, I kind of thought it was okay did everything that you expect it to but good acting in this uh, I, yeah, there's it. Jasmine Bachelor, I think this was her first mm. film, uh, is, is the lead, and she's absolutely tremendous. Um, the, I thought the, the film was a, a really interesting dissection of, uh, you know, the inherent drama of, you know, early uh, early diagnosed, uh, uh, yeah, what do you call it, conditions that develop during pregnancy. And yeah. in this case, it's, it's Down syndrome that's dealt with. But uh, writer-director Jeremy Hirsch, I think, did a really good job here. I mean, uh, Mary and I were still talking about this a day later. Like generally, oh, the following day after we watched this, we were just, you know driving. I think we were driving off Thorpe Park or something, and uh, just talking about this film. So it sticks with you. It's it's mm. a, a really a really interesting drama that has things to say and does have ideas that it does explore and does generate discussion. I think it's a really interesting one, worth checking out anyway. Yeah, definitely. Okay, let's move on to streaming. Uh, we've got a couple of Netflix offerings for you, uh, something on Disney Plus and some Prime Video as well. But let's kick off with what we've got on Netflix. Um, old school. Um, oh. is this, old, this is the original old school. They've not rebooted it or anything like that. They're, they're sticking with the original. This is still old school. Todd Phillips's old school. You remember from 2003, starring as its core trio, Luke, uh, Luke Wilson. Uh, sorry, Luke Wilson, the one from Stargirl, not Owen Wilson from Loki. Sorry, get confused now between my my, my Wilson brothers, um, Will Ferrell and Vince Vaughn, and they are the trio who basically set up their own college fraternity, um, and then find themselves at war with that crusty old dean played by Jeremy Piven. I love this movie. This is yeah. one of my go-to like early noughties. Co- and some of the, actually some of the things in this have not aged brilliantly, but it, we are talking about more just the bro side of it rather than it having particular attitudes or comments or anything like that other than that it's relatively sterile on that front but uh, that's worth checking out on Wednesday on Netflix I know I'll be sticking it on at some point but on Friday the 3rd on Netflix is a more interesting new release and this is worth have you have you heard about this well, this is the Michael Keaton one Bex. Uh no but I will watch anything that Michael, Ke- Michael Keaton is in so <laughs> This I'm is Michael. It. This is the Michael Keaton drama about uh, the support for the for the families of the nine eleven victims, about Ooh. the payouts that were given to the families and how how they worked that out. Because obviously, was it do you give certain amounts for certain people, so on and so forth? And Michael Keaton is the uh, the man upon whose shoulders this all falls. So that is on mm. from the third. Hopefully, we might get to review that one next week. We've not looked at the schedule yet, but the same day. And this one's been coming since before COVID. Um, the Camilla Cab- Cabrero, I want to say her Cabello. name. Uh, Cabello version of Cinderella on Amazon Prime. This was a Sony one that Sony flogged to Amazon Prime. This is out on Friday the 3rd. And uh, it's a musical. You know, of course, it's got you know, Camilla Cab- Cab- Cabello. She's the sketches girl. She's the sketches girl. Cabello. She's the sketches lady to me. That's it. That's all she ever is. I don't know what band she was in. She's the lady in sketches. She's, she's the hot lady in sketches. That's it. She's the one who's not Kelly Brook. That's all I know. And then, of course, van, on Disney. Van, Plus, van, van, van. She is the one that broke out from Fifth Harmony and made That's it as it. a solo artist. There you go. Okay, you're welcome. <sighs> um, this looks terrible. 
does. <laughs> it, it, it does. I'm not going to lie. But you, you know me. As soon as Billy Porter turns up into them, I'm like, oh god, witness my tragic moment. But <laughs> of course, he's your your glamorous fairy godmother in this. <laughs> well, how else would you have him like striking a pose, doing that? It just looks awful. I've seen the trailer. I do not want to see any more. Please don't make me review this next week. <laughs> I, I try. If, if if Billy Porter were my fairy godmother turning up, like, can I can I wish for like you to just be a Jarvis instead, something like that. But uh, anyway, so on to Disney Plus. Same day, and here is a Tom Hanks movie that I, I I'm always astonished that so many people have never seen. And it was the man's directorial debut as well. I believe he also had a hand in writing it and producing it. Uh, it is That Thing You Do from 1996. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He, has a, he has a small role as the, uh, the sort of cliched but likable sleazy record exec who discovers an up-and-coming band called The Wonders and turns their undeniably catchy pop song into the biggest hit in the universe. And this is all during the heyday of the early 60s, I think pre-Beatles in the mm, US. Craze of the boy band Monkey Star One Hit Wonders. The Wonders are in breach of contract. Sorry. I'm really sorry, Mr. White. Well, don't worry. No one's going to prison, son. It's a very common tale. Well, maybe for you, but I was in a band and we still have a hit record. Yeah, you do. One hit wonders. It's a very common tale. My first time in a real recording studio. You want to hang around for a while? Okay by me. But you're out of the hotel this afternoon. Can't help that. Liv Tyler's in this, isn't she, as well? Liv, Liv Tyler is a sort of Penny Lane yeah. figure in this one. You know, the, 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 the sort of Yoko of the band. I think Jonathan yeah. Skeech is in there as well. Steve Zahn is in the yeah. band. I, I, I don't remember who the other one is, but I guarantee when I look this up later, it's going to turn out to be someone who's now huge that I've neglected. It's going to be like Young Army Hammer or something. I remember, but, uh, I remember watching this, and actually, I've, I think I've watched it once or twice um, back when it actually came out, and, and I enjoyed it. You know, I think you've got to have like an affinity with that time period and understanding mm. like, you know, how how big a band like the Monkees, for instance, were, um, you know, and what they spawned. Because obviously the Monkees, for instance, then went on to doing a TV show and all this kind yeah. of stuff and how that was kind of how it changed the way for boy bands and, and paved the way, in fact, for what we see now, which um, I think is really interesting. Yeah, this was this was a a, a a a real joy of mine at the time. This is a movie I used to watch on Laserdisc. Would you believe that's, wow. that's how far wow. back I go? Watch <laughs> on Laserdisc. You remember when Laserdiscs were a thing? God, I miss I Laserdisc. But uh, yeah, absolutely worth checking. If you've, if you've never seen that thing, you do check it It'll out from this in. next Friday. Yeah. Well, I mean, if nothing else, just just go on Spotify, whatever your music streaming app of choices, or even YouTube, and just type in that thing you do song. And I guarantee you that song Ooh. on its own will get you watching that film. <laughs> exactly. How catchy yeah. is that? So yeah. I'm going to wind up listening to that. And that's, that's getting listened to in the car later. That, that's getting Absolutely. I love that thing you do. And you will love it as well. So check that out from next Friday on Disney+. Plus. Uh, the same day, incidentally, that we shall be returning with our next crop of movies. Do we know what's out next week? Do we have a vague idea what's out I this next week? Oh, Shang-Chi. Shang-Chi oh, yeah, is next week. Yeah, and uh, if I'm right in thinking you've already seen it. 
I have. I have seen Shang-Chi. And I can actually say as well, it's pretty good. I can I can good? say it's pretty good. Yeah, it's not my yeah. favorite. It's not my, it's not even middle. It's not my favorite, but it's not middle. Okay. It's it's, it's in there somewhere. We're gonna have we're gonna be talking. Ooh. Yes, yes. I mean it's better than Snake Eyes. I'll give it okay. that. Although, although I can technically make an argument that certain elements of Snake Eyes, believe it or not, that are written. So just throwing that up there. Yeah. Okay, well we'll hold that one off for next week. Um yeah, that's the big movie of next week, actually, but we'll bring you a crop of other brilliant uh, outings as well for the big screen as well as always your normal small screen DVD Blu-ray and streaming uh, options as well but for now as ever it's been a pleasure Uh, we'll see you again next week and for now I've been Bex Perfect I've been That Thing You Do and this has been Off Screen and we shall return 